0: good morning friends let's pray together as we begin our gracious father we do indeed thank you for your word we thank you for all that it teaches us we thank you that it's not just letters on a page but it is your word given to us through which you reveal your plans and your purposes for us So now, as we have had it read and as I preach from it, Father, I pray that you would bring it to life in our lives, that we may be strengthened and equipped to be holy, because you are holy. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder, um, what's the most difficult thing you've ever been called on to do? Uh, Maybe a bit like Jeanette, it was uh, producing a a vaguely enjoyable note out of the recorder. Um, She made good progress over that couple of seconds, actually, to be fair, I think. Um, Maybe the hardest thing you've been asked to do is to take on Abby's role and solve the logistics of uh, how everything appears up there. And uh, thank you so much for serving in that way, because tech is a challenge for us just at the moment. There was uh, a, an amazing young tennis player who did something very difficult yesterday at the age of 18, winning a major tennis tournament. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? But I wonder what's the most difficult thing that you have to do or that faces you. Not just, I'm not just talking about difficult challenges like learning an instrument or learning a language or climbing a mountain or whatever it may be. But perhaps it's something to do with difficult things that are going on that you have to face, perhaps in your family or in your job. Or maybe you've been needed to break some very sad news to somebody about something. Or maybe a difficult situation at work. You know those things where there's challenges with colleagues, things are difficult. Or you have an awkward manager... Perhaps you even feel you need to stand up to them or maybe be a whistleblower on some thing which should be being observed but isn't. Or maybe for the younger ones amongst us it's at school and you've had experience of unkind children who you know, either being unkind to you or being unkind to others. Maybe as a parent it's making big decisions that you know are going to have a big impact, Perhaps. Do I take a new job and move to a completely different part of the country which will uproot everybody from where they are? And I'm sure you can think of many other examples of things that are really tricky, things that are difficult. Well, our passage that uh, Venetia read for us just now, Uh, presents us with another really difficult thing to do. Um, And I'd be really grateful if you'd keep your Bible open uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, page 1217 in the church Bibles. Because we're going to be having a look through some of it and I think that will make it easier for you. But have a look with me in verses 15 and 16 and see what it says there. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy i reckon that's pretty hard don't you be holy not just while you're sitting in church listening to the sermon but in all you do and the passage tells us that we're to be holy because God is holy. The problem is, of course, God is perfect. And God is 100% holy all of the time. Surely we can never be holy all the time, like God is. Well, I think that Peter in his passage does give us some help. So we're going to look through uh, his argument that will help us here, and uh, there there are three points that I'm going to cover this morning. They'll come up and be on the screen so that you can keep track of where we're going, Um, but the first one of those is prepare to be holy, verses 13 and 14, and Peter begins this section as you notice right at the beginning of verse 13 with a therefore, i.e., given everything we heard from the passage at the beginning of this chapter last week, remembering who you are in Christ as heirs with an eternal inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, what are we to do? Prepare. I don't know about you, I uh, enjoyed watching the Olympics recently and more recently the Paralympics, and I was really struck by the interviews of athletes who were asked about their process for getting ready for the Olympics. They spent years planning, training, preparing for an event that in some seconds, uh, in some events is going to be over in seconds. I was always struck by that with the diving. It's a lot of prep, isn't it? And before you've had a chance to take breath, they're in the water and it's all over. You see, they had to resist. All the temptations of a lie-in when that alarm goes off. They had to resist the temptation to another fast food meal because they couldn't be bothered to cook. They had to resist that go out partying all night. Instead, they were self-controlled to maximize their opportunity of winning. You see, their hope was all on winning the gold medal. Well, that's just an illustration ...to to get us thinking about what Peter says in verse 13. Therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you... ...when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, Peter urges us to a full, absolute and constant... ...devotion and commitment to God... ...on the basis of the grace of Christ... Given to us. And that's no casual acquaintance that he's looking for there. He doesn't want any of this just doing the bare minimum so I can scrape by. In his book, Rejoice and Tremble, that uh, Mike Reeves wrote, many of you will know him, he says this God does not want passionless performance or a vague preference for him. Yesterday um, was Marigold's and my wedding anniversary, and we spent a little bit of time celebrating. Um, Just imagine for a minute if I'd given Marigold a card and it said, Happy Anniversary. I have a vague preference for you over every other woman. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure she'd have been with me here this morning, or maybe she'd have been here and I wouldn't have made it, maybe possibly more to the truth. It would be absurd, wouldn't it? No, what Marigold quite rightly deserves from me is my total, complete love, affection and commitment. It's what I promised when we got married all those years ago. So Peter tells us in verses 14 and 15 what that total commitment entails. Have a look in your Bibles. Verse 14, as obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. So we're expected to live holy lives, visibly different to the world around us. It's the same message that Paul writes about in Romans 12, calling us not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed in our minds. So secondly, in verse 15 to 17, let's think about what it means to be holy. And I think there's at least two reasons why it's hard, seemingly impossible to obey that injunction in, in verse 15. Firstly, in society today, being holy Isn't generally looked on as a kind of a cool thing to be, is it? Maybe it's portrayed a little bit as holier than thou, or perhaps a bit of a bit pathetic or boring, or you're going to be a sort of a party pooper. I think society would say, Why do you even want to be holy? Sounds pretty dull. But that's the point that Peter's making. That's what the old life, the empty life he referred to, was like. It was empty. Peter says, be different. And secondly, if you're a Christian, you know only too well that however hard you try to be holy, whatever effort you make, continually sin creeps in. Sometimes openly in the things you do or say, sometimes secretly From others in your thoughts and attitudes towards them. But not, of course, secretly to God who sees all those things. And so it's easy to fall to the temptation, isn't it, of just ignoring God? But here is Peter's instruction But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy. Because I am holy. Now, those words holy and holiness are to do with being set apart, being separate, being different or dedicated. It's not about doing stuff like obeying the Ten Commandments, for example. That's a good thing to do, by the way. But it's not just about doing those things, it's not just about doing your good deed for the day. Be holy just as god is holy you see holiness for god is not about what god does holiness is about who god is it is in his intrinsic nature he is morally and ethically perfect in his very being he is holy so we as those created in god's image are instructed by peter to reflect that holiness in all we do being holy means to live as those created in god's image were created to live and god's holiness is the model for how we as his people imperfect though we are should live have a look at verse 17 Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. You see, the right response to God's holiness is that we live in reverent fear. And Peter's not, by the way, saying that we should be afraid of some judgmental God who's going to stamp on us with a big heavenly foot. No, as we seek to live in reverent fear, we are calling on a father. Now I know that for a good number of people that I know here, that can be very difficult because your father is or was unkind, abusive, a bully. And that's difficult when that's your father. But friends, this isn't that kind of a father. There's no need to be afraid of this heavenly father who is completely fair in every respect and absolutely loving. No, we shouldn't be afraid of him. In fact, the opposite. This living in reverent fear is a beautiful thing. It's joyful. It's delightful for the Christian. And it draws us deeply into the holy loving god who loves us and is eternally present with us that's what drives out the fear we're filled not with fear but an overwhelming desire to flee from evil and to serve god with every fiber of our being it it calls us to daily throw ourselves at his feet in worship and love, to cry out to him. Yes, in our joys, but also in our sorrows and in our pains. This reverent fear turns us daily to the Lord Jesus. To say, as Thomas did when he finally recognised the risen Jesus, do you remember? My Lord and my God. So we are called to prepare to be holy. We've thought about what it is, To be holy. But what does it look like day to day? That's the challenge, isn't it? What does it mean that we are living a life and being holy? Well, the first thing to do, as we've already mentioned, of course, is to prepare. Prepare your mind for action. Do you know what that implies is that this being holy because God is holy isn't something that just happens day to day. We have to work hard at it. Let's be clear, not to earn our salvation. We could never work hard enough for that. That's all of God's grace by faith alone. But to live it out, we are called to work at it. And there are three things, three principles I'd like to draw on from the second part of our passage just to help us apply this in our own different situations. And the first one is know what you're redeemed from you can see that in verse 18 you were redeemed from an empty way of life and what you have now as those trusting in the lord jesus is something infinitely better than what you had before you have christ you are united with him can i urge you because i know i've had this temptation i've I've looked at friends who aren't christians and i've looked at all the jobs i've got to do in my garden and on my house and i think you know if i didn't have to go to grow group and prayer meeting and church and prepare a sermon i'd have loads of time to do all those things i don't know whether those thoughts have ever crossed your mind friends that's the devil trying to get you to look back to the old way of life That's a temptation to give up the joy and the wonder and the delight of knowing God in reverent fear. Don't get sucked into it. Instead, prepare for action. Meditate on the joy of living life with Christ day by day. You've been saved from an empty life. Think about what you have now that you didn't have then. For example... Just one verse of many you could turn to, John 10, 10. It's well known. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I, said said Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, that's not an empty life. It's a full life. It's an abundant life. So in dealing with being holy day to day, Remember what you've been redeemed from and how much better what you now have is. And we'll come on to a bit more of that in a moment. But secondly, know who you are redeemed by. Have a look at verse 19, would you? Verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, without blemish or defect you see you weren't redeemed with something that is perishable that's going to crash with the stock market or something that could be stolen by burglars no but by the precious blood of christ himself the perfect lamb of god just meditate on that for a moment let it chew over in your mind you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. I wonder whether helping to remember who you've been redeemed by it might be useful to memorise scripture. It's something that um, Marigold's always encouraged me to do. She learned, uh, grew up doing it uh, much when she was much younger. It's a good discipline and one that I need to get back into. But what about memorising a chunk of our passage today? 1 Peter 1, 18 through to 21. Maybe just spend some time this week dwelling on that. See what it you can remember so that in those challenging moments you can call it to mind. And thirdly, know what you're redeemed for. So we have Know what you're redeemed from, know who you're redeemed by, know what you're redeemed for. Have a look with me at verse 20 and 21 of our passage. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God revealed in these last times is a reference to jesus in his incarnation here he is god made man fully god fully man for our sake and as he was raised from the dead and glorified he's now in heaven where one day we who believe and trust in him will join him it's a wonderful joy isn't it the future that we are saved, redeemed for. Well, here are some practical examples. Let me just tease some of this out for you. Um, Let me talk, first of all, to uh, our children and young people, um, those perhaps who are at school age. Grown-ups, you can doze off for a minute. I'm talking to the young folk here. Um, Sometimes when you're at school, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, but people can be a little bit unkind, can't they? Children can be nasty to other children sometimes, and I think that makes life pretty difficult. I wonder whether you've ever felt at school, I don't like the way that person's being nasty to my friend, and you want to stand up for them, but you don't quite know how, and maybe if you do, it means that that nasty person will turn their attention to you, perhaps. It's difficult, isn't it? We don't want to do things that might get us into awkward situations. Well, Let me encourage you, young folks, at those times, remember that you've been brought back, you've been saved by the Lord Jesus, by his precious blood, the Bible tells us. And the unkind people who have been nasty towards you and your friends, do you know what they're really doing is they're just living what Peter calls a life in ignorance, like in the old life. But as Christians, we have eternal life to hold on to, don't we? It might be hard right now, but you are his. The Lord Jesus has his arms wrapped round you. So you can pray to him and say, Lord Jesus, please help me to cope with this. I'm finding it really, really tough. And try praying for that person who's been nasty that God would show himself to them as well. So hopefully that will be a bit of a tip. Don't be afraid, children and young people, to ask the Lord at that moment to be with you and bring you his peace. Okay, adults, you can listen in. Kids, you might need to nudge your dad if he's fallen asleep. Um, But maybe similar situations for you. Maybe you're at work and you've got a manager who is a bully. I've met some of them in my working life. Maybe you have a difficult neighbour, or maybe you're in a situation where you have some family politics, which, let's be fair, they can get pretty fraught, can't they, sometimes? As you wrestle with these hard things in life, here's a tip from the 17th century Puritan Richard Baxter. He suggested that every Christian... Should spend 30 minutes a day reflecting on and thinking what heaven is going to be like. 30 minutes is quite a long time to do that, isn't it? Especially in our society where everything comes in like a nanosecond soundbite. But just think what, would, what it would be like for you when it's tough if you spent time thinking about heaven and what it's going to be like. Well, here's an idea to get you into that. I'm going to read to you a little bit from Revelation chapter 21. This should get you thinking a little bit about like, a little bit about what heaven might be like. So you can turn to this, Revelation 21, verse 18, or you can just close your eyes and listen and let the words sink in as I read it. See if you can let this imagery of what heaven is going to be like soak deep into your heart permeating every atom of your body being your encouragement that you have been saved for something quite extraordinary this is talking about the new jerusalem the wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass the foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. Get the impression of all these precious stones adorning the new Jerusalem? The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. Does that sound extraordinary? Is it worth looking forward to? Verse 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. friends, there won't be any nasty managers in heaven. There won't be any school bullies or rotten, horrible people because everybody there will be those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, that's not going to take away the difficulty at the moment that you're facing here. But my prayer is that it will help you to look at those situations with a different perspective remembering that we are in this life for a really, really short period of time and that we have all eternity to look forward to in that glorious place with our glorious Saviour, with our glorious God who is holy. Let me just pray. Our Heavenly Father, you know how hard it is because of our sin, to be holy in all that we do. And yet we rejoice knowing that because of the grace that you have poured out to us in the Lord Jesus, we are one for you. We are united with you. We live day by day with you by your spirit dwelling within us. Oh Lord, that is a a thing which is so exciting for us to consider. And then as we look towards the new heaven and the new earth and the glory of that place. Father, would you, as we face whatever we face in the coming days, keep our eyes fixed on that hope and fixed on the Lord Jesus, that we may stand firm in him, that we may live lives that are holy because you are holy. In Jesus' precious name, amen.